0: Life, Um, but then all around us, you say, they say, Oh, you better be happy about life. We're gonna have lights and songs and carols, and uh, the kids are gonna do plays, and it's gonna be uh, we're gonna push it in the stores and on websites. Some of it might just be advertising. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but I want you to be in a good mood to buy more things, but um, or maybe they want us to think that buying things will make us joyful which is also not true. Uh, family's supposed to make us joyful. Snow is supposed to make us joyful somehow. I don't know. Uh, sweets are supposed to make us joyful. Presents are supposed to make us joyful. Um, and I think uh, we know that when we think about it, we know that joy doesn't come from those things, right? Uh, you, can't, you can't find it there. Um, I think about even our church family. Uh, there's a, there's a, a lady that we dearly love who's on hospice, There's a pregnant lady we just learned is in the hospital and on bed rest. Um, There's a man who just came home from surgery on the 20, he got home on the 23rd after having surgery for cancer, right? And so there's got to be more than presents and carols and lights, and by the way, if you're a non-colored light person, we're not friends, all right? Just so you know, if you only do the clear, I know, I know I'm in a sanctuary full of clear lights, but I'm just saying, if I had my choice, no. Um, We know that joy uh, doesn't come from those things. Um, in fact, there's believers around the world right now who have none of those things, and yet they have joy. Um, and maybe it's rejoicing in a minor key, uh, but they have it. And um, the passage we're going to look at this morning is maybe one of the most famous Christmas passages you can find. Uh, Linus quotes it uh, with his little blanket on the floor in Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, and it's in songs, and let's stand together as we read it. This is Luke Uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 8. So if you'd stand with me as we read God's word. This is Luke 2, starting in verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news Of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Among those with whom he is pleased. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, without it, I don't have anything to say. Uh, God, without it, we just have the happiness that this world uh, fakes us out with, I would say. Um, God, thank you that you bring us true joy. And I pray this morning, um, as we hear from your word, that you would help us to rejoice and to know Christ, um, even as a baby, God, who he was. Uh, Lord, we love you. Thank you for everyone who's here. Lord, for those that are sick or hurting uh, in the hospital, uh, struggling this Christmas, Lord, we pray especially for them that you would be near them, and that they would realize that there's still joy in Christ. Uh, we love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we're really just going to look at one verse this morning, which hopefully makes you like, hey, we're going to get out on time. It's going to be good. Um, go get brunch or whatever it is. Um, A little context, so by the time we're here um, in this Christmas story, uh, the angels have participated. They've talked to Joseph and Mary, um, Zachariah. Um, But on Christmas Day, this is the part that the angels play, is really what we're going to look at this morning. And as we're jumping into it, uh, basically Jesus has been born. Uh, He's in a barn stable cave type thing where people would have kept their animals, Um, And he's in Bethlehem, and I don't think that birth part was silent. I don't think, I mean, I know we sing that song, Silent Night, but I I don't know if you've been to a birth, but it's not silent. Um, But now you can imagine, uh, you can imagine Mary and Joseph trying to catch some rest, um, and they've uh, swaddled little baby Jesus, and they've laid him in a manger, which is a feeding trough, Um, but it's up off the ground and I imagine they put some fresh straw down and so it's good for being in a barn. Um, And as that's the scene, there's shepherds out in a field. Uh, Probably Bethlehem's about seven miles from Jerusalem and they think that these might have been flocks that served the city specifically, right? When you have the biggest city in your nation and people coming into it for festivals and all that, there would have been animals kept specifically close to Jerusalem for uh, the use of the city, sacrifices, feasts, uh, feeding people. And these, field, these shepherds are out in their field, and then one angel comes to them and tells them that there's good news of great joy for all the people. All right? And just one angel is enough to really put the fear of God in them, literally. Literally. Um, and then a heavenly host appears, right? Which I imagine would have been overwhelming. But really, the news, what we're going to look at today is what is this news that gives great joy to the people? Right? What is the news that the angel came and said? Uh, it's the first, if you think about it, it's the first public announcement of Jesus coming. Right? He talked to Mary individually with an angel, Joseph and Zechariah, but this is the first public announcement to the masses that Jesus has come and that things are about to change. And really, I'd encourage if you go on and read the whole book of Luke, this kicks off the book of Luke, this theme of joy, this theme of the shepherds and Jesus coming to the lowly, it just is off to the races. And um, I think Luke knew that. And so today we're going to talk about what does it mean that we have joy because Jesus was born? Right? What does that mean? Because if, it, if it's just for lights and presents, it's, it's not enough, right? If it doesn't work in hospitals and in places where people are on hospice and in places where there's grief, then it doesn't work, right? If it doesn't work in countries where they have no lights and no presence, but they have Jesus, then we're missing something. And so um, I want to tell you that there's real joy for us. And we're going to focus just on one verse Verse 11, where it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay? Point number one, if you're a note taker and you don't have to take notes on Christmas Eve, I mean, it's like extra credit. Um, <laughs> Jesus being born for us, Jesus being born for us means we have a Savior. <laughs> means we have a Savior. Okay? And I love this. Sometimes people get a bad rap, but this, the, where it says, For unto you. Right? The shepherds are there and the, angels, the angel says, For unto you all, you all right there, a Savior is born. And uh, John Calvin, who's known for his humor, uh, said, um, known for his humor and his deep theology, he has a quote where he says, It's hardly of service to know that a Savior is born unless he's born for you. All right? And he's tongue-in-cheek meaning like, If I came to you and said, Hey, there's a Savior, but not for you. This is not good news of great joy, okay? And so the angels say, For unto you is born this day a Savior, and He came for all the people. Um, It's interesting, He didn't come for the angels. The way the angel says this is kind of like, do you guys realize what's going on for you all down here? (laughs) Because we're talking about it, we're talking about it around the throne of God, and uh, you guys should be informed I mean, I almost picture the angels scrambling to find the first people they could find, and hey, these shepherds will do. Let's tell them. Let's tell them. Some of you all, uh, sheeps and have are herders and farmers and the like. Um, it's really great that they said this to shepherds, right? Shepherds were young and dumb usually. Uh, this was not the job for the academically rigorous. It was usually a job for the poor. They were usually socially awkward because they spent their time with sheep, <sighs> All right? Some of you can and or should relate to being socially awkward. Um, they were unclean religiously uh, because they dealt with sheep and dead animals and, and things like that. They were, they were usually unclean uh, by the religious people, and they were sinners like the rest of us, All right? And so this is, not, this is not being announced to, you know, the capital, in Jerusalem at the temple to the priests. This is to the shepherds. And I think that's encouraging to us. And he's born to you. And it says this, he's born this day, this day. And the the idea of this, Luke uses this word a lot uh, all throughout his gospel, all throughout the book of Acts, which Luke also wrote. And it's the idea of there's a starting of an era here. Right? Like this is a change. This is a pivoting point in history that they're the 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 angels are telling the shepherds this day something has changed and you need to know about it right you need to get this um there's moments in our lives that seem pivotal right Uh, hopefully the day that you got married if you're married the day that you have kids there's idea of we're in a different we're in a different era now something has shifted something has changed and sometimes those are hard things too but the idea is there's a new, there's a new era going on. Um, and so there's a new thing going on. It's for us. Uh, it's for all people. And what is it? It's a baby boy born and lying in a manger. So can't just be any baby, right? I mean, having a baby is joyful. But to say joy for all the people, to say great news, good news of great joy for all the people, What's going on? So like I said, first, He's our Savior. And what a glorious thing to put first, right? What a glorious thing. Uh, We need saving. And we don't even know how much the shepherds would have understood that, but the angels understood it. And of course, God understood it. And He says, I've given them a Savior. I've given them a Savior. Um, We have to admit, whether we admit it or not, we need it. And the text literally says, born today, Savior. All right, this is the crux of the verse. This is, this is the big thing. That a Savior is born today and we could, and maybe we should some other time, spend a ton of time talking about God taking on flesh and the incarnation and the reality of the virgin birth. The full divinity and humanity of Christ. Why? Because all of that is crucial for saving us. You guys get that? If this is just a baby boy like any other baby boy. Maybe he's going to grow up and be a good example. Maybe he'll grow up and say some famous things. But if that's all that it is, if this is not God come in the flesh, born of a virgin, fulfilling the promises, then we're hosed. And there's no Savior part to it. Right? You might as well say, born unto you this day is a good example. Well, that's not as thrilling, is it? Okay. Another good example to show me how bad I am. Show me how I don't measure up. Not a good enough dad. Not a not a good enough pastor. Not a good enough friend. Not a good enough whatever. Filling your things in the blanks. But he doesn't say born to you is a good example. He says born to you is a savior. Is a savior. And so I think that part's crucial. We didn't need a good example. Um, we didn't need a regular guy to help us realize our potential. We needed God to come and save us. And that's the joy, right? Jesus is a Savior. The term means Savior. Yeah, profound, I know, right? Um, that meant the same thing back then as it meant now. It means that we need to be delivered from something. We have, we're, we're oppressed by something. We're lost and we need a rescuer. We're defenseless and we need a protector. We're deathly ill and we need a healer. Those are all illustrations. But obviously in this context, God is saying, I've given my people a Savior From the world, from from the sinfulness in them, the sinfulness in the world, everything I've given them a savior from. And so Jesus is born for us a savior. I hope that's I hope that's thrilling to you. It is thrilling to me. I know I struggle to act thrilled, right? Um, I'm a I'm a thinker and an introvert and all that stuff. But I want to tell you, when you're in the hospital or when you're uh, sick, when your life is struggling. There's a thrill on the inside of knowing that Jesus is our Savior, right? Of knowing that he came for us. Um, And it causes us to have hope in dark times and to be able to smile and rejoice and laugh in the face of things that the world views as uh, terribly hard to laugh at. Okay, so first, he's a Savior. Secondly, for those of you taking the extra credit notes, uh, Jesus being born means that the Christ has come, right? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ? Who is Christ? Um, this is hard for us Gentiles. Right? Uh, it means anointed one. The word Christ means anointed. Um, and it's, it's for the Hebrew Messiah, which also meant anointed one. The idea of being anointed is anointed with oil uh, from the Old Testament. And there were three categories of people that were anointed in the Old Testament. Kings, priests, and prophets. Okay? Okay. And the idea of the Messiah eventually in, in the Old Testament culminates into this thing that there is going to be one, one guy who is the Anointed One. Who combines all of those roles. Who puts it all together. Who is the, the top. It's not like a king who's going to die someday or a priest who is going to be unclean at times or a prophet uh, who maybe the world nation's going to persecute. Like it, It's this idea that there is one coming who is the anointed of God, all right? And the, and the angels say, who they would know, right? The angels come and say, this is him. And the shepherds are like, oh, okay, right? They remember, these might not have been the brightest guys, but they probably had heard the word Messiah, and they probably knew there was a big deal, and they go, Savior, who is Christ? Who is Christ? That one that we've been waiting for that one where god would say this is the king and the prophet and the priest this this is this is the culmination of everything this is so what what this is basically saying is that god is fulfilling his promise in this baby boy right now these are not promises like the promises i make to my wife to hang up a shelf or something right this is not the same when i say promise please don't think of something like that like something that you say to someone or something that Please, not something the government says to you or some advertiser. Guaranteed, this is guaranteed. Um, This is the Lord. What I want to think, what I want you to think about about this waiting. Think about passengers on a ship, right in the storm, waiting for land. Right, the land is there. The storm is real, but so is the land, and they're heading towards the land. And God says. The land is there. The, the Messiah is coming. He's coming. And all throughout the Old Testament, there's, a, there's messes and there's triumphs and there's victories and there's good kings and bad kings and the prophets proclaiming judgment, but then proclaiming restoration and the priests just continually sacrificing to God, saying, Yahweh, we need you. That's the name of God in the Old Testament. We need God. We need Him. And so what are they waiting for? Well, they're waiting for land, They're waiting for a safe harbor. They're waiting for a port where their feet can be on the ground again. They can be in front of a warm fire. Do you feel like you've been waiting? Do you feel like life's been turbulent? I don't know where you're living if you don't, but um, we live in turbulent days, it seems. Are you looking for a safe harbor? Then I would say, come to the Messiah. Come to the Messiah. Um, That's what God has been offering to his people all throughout the Old Testament. And the angels announce, this is him. This is the Messiah. This is the one that is going to fulfill that promise of God. Salvation, yes, but all the promises of God. Rest and peace and hope and eternal life. All these things, um, that's the Messiah. Um, We don't really anoint people anymore. It's kind of strange, the thought of anointing people. Maybe the closest we come to here in the U.S. is like Inauguration Day where we have a big party and swear in a new president. But in the Old Testament, it was the kings, the priests, the prophets. And really it was a symbol of the Spirit of God empowering them. And it was a symbol of them not, not acting on God's behalf, but that they were going to fulfill God's purpose. Right? When a king was anointed, when a prophet or a priest was anointed, it was this idea that God has a purpose and you're going to fulfill it. And so, when we talk about Christ being the Messiah, we say that God's purpose is for his people, Christ is fulfilling. Christ is doing it. Why is this great news of great joy? Well, I couldn't do it. (laughs) Could you? Bring about the promises of God for his people? Bring the nation to safe harbor and rest? Provide the people of God with eternal life? I couldn't do it. I don't think uh, you could either. And so that, that makes me, so God has sent me a Savior. God has sent Christ. God has sent Christ, right? And so the angel's, the angels are like, this is a big deal. And I almost picture the, like, the multitude holding back, saying, we got to let them get these words out first. This is important, but after that, we're singing, right? right? And so they're waiting, and the, the angel's like, i got to tell you, Christ, Savior, Lord, is going to be great. And then, whoa, glory to God in the highest, right? Glory to God in the highest. So honestly, I'll tell you uh, this third point. This is honestly why I thought about coming to this verse. We sing some weird lyrics at Christmas. Do you realize that? And some of you are like, yeah, they're old. We don't like them. Okay, I know that part. But um, I thought about specifically Silent Night, and we'll sing that tonight, and we're going to have candles, and it's going to be beautiful, and you should come and uh, worship and be in awe. But uh, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. What like that? That verse was kind of that song was kind of tripping me up this year. I was like, "Lord at thy birth, what are we? What are we talking about when we say Lord at thy birth?" Because normally I think of the word Lord and I think of master, right, controller, the one in charge. And um, there's a real sense where the baby Jesus in the manger, he wasn't in charge of everything yet, right? He wasn't. I mean, it's theologically mind blowing, but. What does it mean Lord at thy birth and we see another one Christ is the Lord Christ is the Lord right The little lord Jesus Joy to the world the Lord is come We sing it Lord all over people are calling him Lord Lord at thy birth When the angel says that about this little baby what is he, what are they saying and I want to tell you, he is saying that Jesus is in charge. But he's saying a lot more than that. Right? saying a lot more than that. And so point number three again for the note takers. So first we have Jesus is born. He's a savior. right? It means that Christ is, the Christ has come. And third, I want to tell you, Jesus being born means that the Lord has arrived. And when you put Lord in that sentence, you should put it in all caps, underlined, highlighted with the box around it. Means the Lord has arrived. Uh, some of us feel comforted when the paramedics arrive, right? Some of us feel comforted when our family members arrive safe. And I want to tell you, this is this is way bigger than that. Um, this is God come in the flesh to His people, right? And I want to tell you, it's interesting because about the Book of Luke, if you read stuff about it, they'll be like, "Oh, Luke is a gospel that shows Jesus' humanity, right? It shows He really cares." for people, and he's he's hungry, and he weeps, and these things, and and he's he's passionate, and all this stuff. But I want to tell you, the first two chapters of Luke about his birth, um, he's really telling us that the Son of God has come in the flesh for us. And that's why this angel says, I want to tell you, I mean, I think the angel's like, so this is a Savior's born to you, and he's Christ, Lord, Lord. Uh, you could substitute in there. He's Christ, uh, Yahweh. He's Christ, the God of Israel. He's Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, he's God. God come for us, and it's mind blowing. But I think that's the only way that they could have they could have understood it. And it says it's joy. Why? Because God Himself is intervening. You have a problem. You may be, oh, I wish the, you know, I wish the police would intervene, right in Bear Valley. I wish the ECC would get on my neighbors, right? Shame on you. No, it's good, right? um, We want people to intervene on our behalf. We need, we're needy. We say, I, I don't, I can't get this done. And yet, God says, when Christ comes, He's intervening Himself. I think this was hinted at in the Old Testament. I think there's points, and Jesus even points to them in his ministry. But um, it's mind blowing when he says Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, because it's not the Messiah of, who's from the Lord or of the Lord. It is, it is Christ, Lord. That, that's what it means. And so I want to tell you this is this is not Christ from the Lord or of the Lord or in charge. It is the Christ who is Yahweh, who is God, who is Adonai. So the Jewish people, they wouldn't use the word Yahweh even though it's in the Hebrew Old Testament because they, they didn't want to speak the name of God. And so they changed the vowels and they made it into Adonai instead. And you say, well, how does Yahweh change into Adonai? Well, it's a, it's a stretch, but they did it. And so when they came to the reading, they would read Adonai. They wouldn't read Yahweh. They wouldn't say it. But really... It is in the Hebrew Testament the personal name for God. Right? When Moses says, What shall I call you to these people? the Lord says, Tell them that I am sent you. And from that derivative, and there's a play on words there, and that's where we get this term Yahweh. And so the, it's not like the angel didn't know what he was saying, not like the angel was confused. The angel says, I want to tell you this is a Savior. And this is Christ and there's a crescendo going on. This is the Lord. Do you know what commotion is going on in heaven right now? The Lord Himself is coming to intervene on your behalf. God the Son is here in the flesh, in a manger, in Bethlehem. Because His people needed Him. Because the world was broken. Because sin abounded. Because death was everywhere because everything was not as it should be, the Lord Jesus Christ came as a baby in Bethlehem. And so I want to tell you, He is in charge. Don't, don't make the mistake. I mean, it is saying Lord is the sense of Lord and Lord, uh, Master and Servant. But, but this is God. This is God. The shepherds are going to go worship Him. The angels are about to have a worship concert in the sky. The wise men knew. The wise men knew and they brought gifts worthy of a king to a baby. Herod knew. We're going to talk about that this evening a little bit, I think. So what does it mean? He's in charge, but much more than that. He is God in the flesh. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our trust, our devotion, our everything. Right? From the oldest in here to the youngest, um, any aspect of your life, any and everything, is His. Because He's God in the flesh. And the great thing is, so you go, oh, that, that's tough because I got some messed up stuff in my life. He's the Savior, He's the Christ, but He's God in the flesh. And so bring those things to Him. So you're struggling. Bring it to Him. So you're doubting, bring it to Him. So you're sad, bring it to Him. So you're distracted, bring that to Him. And all of that, there's joy in it. Why? Why is that a joy for me? Because a life lived for Christ is worth it. Alright, This is something the, the, the smart people, they can't get. Life is meaningless, right? Apart from Christ. And you'll see, I mean, they come to the end of themselves. People who think they're smart come to the end of themselves and they have no hope in the face of death. And they have no real meaning to life. So, uh, he's our Savior. The Christ has come. The Lord has arrived. Uh, Look down with me at this verse again. It says this. For... Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you know there were people who were probably closer to the birth? I know I joked that the angels went and found who they could. Maybe those people were awake. But there were people in an inn nearby. There were people there. There was a city full because a census was being taken. There were religious people. Like I said, there might have been a priest in the temple that night burning incense. Watching the evening sacrifice burn. There were people who considered themselves prophets, maybe. But the angels told joy for the shepherds, for faithful people waiting on the promise, as the chorus says, for all people. Right? Right? For all people. That includes you. That includes me. And I'm glad it wasn't to the priests or the kings. Right? Because then we'd be like, oh, maybe, maybe, that, maybe it's just for those important people. Maybe it's just for the people who have it together. Maybe that's who Jesus is for. I'll tell you, no, he's for you. And as a final note, I just want to point something out. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're not in church very often. I want to tell you, look at what it says. It says he came to the city of David. That's a real place. You can go there. You could look at the site where they think this cave is. a real place, a real birth, real shepherds. this upended history. You guys understand how important it is that we know that this is historical fact. This is not just a, a myth. This is not a legend. You can go to the town and the place and the people where where this happened. And I know we think we're smart 2,000 years on, but I want to tell you, there were people who just years after did go. Why do you think Luke is writing this? Luke says, I went to take a detailed account of what had happened. Some of these shepherds he might have talked to. And they said, yeah. I mean, what a night do you think they would have forgotten? Do you think Luke would have been asking around Bethlehem, hey, does anybody know who those shepherds were? No, we, we forgot. Like we look at them and we think that they were dumb somehow or like, oh no, that was just a myth. No, it was real. <laughs> Historical place. Miles away from Jerusalem. A census going on. Like, like, and so I want to tell you, if you think that you're smarter, that you're a skeptic, you're an intellectual, I want to tell you you're a blind fool. And I don't say that to be mean, but I say that to say we need the Lord. And in a day today, we want to think that we're the only smart ones that have ever lived. And I going to tell you, God sent Luke to record these things, and he put them in a book, the most attested book in all of history. Right? I remember a guy saying, if you believe anything about Julius Caesar, you have to believe all of this. Because the evidence for Julius Caesar is nothing compared to the evidence, the manuscripts, the things we have for the Scriptures. So I want to tell you, there's joy for you too. There's joy for you too. Joy for me. When I face grief over the holidays, when I struggle. Joy for those in the hospital. Joy for those of you that are going to go and open presents and all the cares of the world are going to fade away and you're going to have gingerbread and some of you like eggnog. Like it's just... um, Uh, what I want to tell you is whether there's hard things or good things, whether your heart's been hard to the Lord or whether there's, um, whether you've been walking with Him for a long time, there's joy for you at Christmas, okay? That's what the shepherd said. Uh, Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Christ. Jesus is God. Let me pray for us and we'll be done early today. Um, God, thank you for this uh, morning. Thank you, God, for a clear passage about a Savior Oh, Christ who fulfilled all these promises and really God intervening on our behalf. Uh, God, thank you for this church family, um, how, they have, um, how they spread this joy to one another, how we can remind each other that Jesus came for us, how we can remind each other that Jesus is a Savior, how we can remind each other that God has intervened on our behalf. Lord, we needed all those things so desperately. I'm so thankful to have a church family that believes these things and that encourages one another. I'm so thankful for your word, God, that when we look to it, we have truth. And God, I pray, Lord, um, for those where this season is just about lights or presents or advertisements or ho- a days off of work, um, God, that you would draw their hearts to you and convict them. And show them your love for them as you came as a baby in Bethlehem. God, we love you. Thank you for this morning. Uh, May you keep everyone safe as they travel and all these things. God, we love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.